Welcome to Spotlight. I'm Carmela Mendoza, senior reporter with Private Equity International. Diversity and inclusion in private equity have moved front and center this year in the aftermath of civil unrest in the U.S. following the killing of George Floyd and ongoing discussions about racial and gender equality in wider society. In a recent episode of Spotlight, Buyouts reporter Justin Mitchell spoke with Randall Solomon, a managing director at asset manager Muller & Monroe, who had left his role in the industry to realize his passion of bringing about systemic and societal change around racial justice. In this episode, we chatted with Kara Helander, Chief Inclusion and Diversity Officer of Carlisle, and Anna Edwin, Global Head of Talent Development at TPG. Most of our discussion centered on the firm's diversity and inclusion initiatives and how this has become one of the biggest markers for the future of private equity. Kara and Anna have been in their respective roles for more than two years. First, they discuss whether the year 2020 feels different. It definitely feels different. That's Kara Helander. There is a level of intention, a level of commitment that I think is unique to this time. I know it certainly is that case at Carlisle. One of the things that Song Lee, our CEO, has had as a mantra actually over the last several months, it's been that we have to make sure that this is not just a moment, but that this generates momentum for sustained action. And so we're really using it this time to do that, to put in place the practices, the understandings, the systems to help us not only make change in the next few months, but for years to come. You know, if I think back to my start in the diversity and inclusion space, maybe about a decade ago. That's Anna Edwin. I would say that firms have always had the right intent in place. And what I'm really seeing and noticing right now is that the move from making sure that our intent matches our impact. Um, And so I know that at TPG, we've had our diversity, equity and inclusion council in place for a while and our current structure really allows us to capitalize on the momentum and the focus to not just make it the quote unquote new hot topic, but to actually really drive change within not only our firm and our industry, but for all the companies that we also uh, work with and have uh, partnerships with. And so I'm excited, even though it's a very heavy time. Carlisle and TPG have both been improving gender balance on their company boards. Over the past two years, TPG has added more than 80 female directors. Now the priority is people of color and those who identify as LGBTQ. Carlisle, which has had its Diversity and Inclusion Council since 2013, introduced new measures this year aimed at improving diversity in its own workforce and at the companies it owns worldwide. This certainly has provided us this moment in time with an opportunity to think even more comprehensively about the kind of change that we want to create. First of all, we recently announced a goal to achieve 30% diverse directors on the boards of our controlled companies. We have been working to put in place plans to tie progress in diversity, equity, and inclusion to advancement and compensation. I mean, I can tell you one of the things that we're doing as we get into promotion season right now is that our managing director and partner promotion candidates are being assessed. Part of their assessment is how well they have cultivated diversity, equity, and inclusion on the teams that they're responsible for. You know, and I would say even within our portfolio companies, we're even thinking about this in our investments. We, we invested in HireVue, which is a video interviewing 
technology company that enhances the opportunity for people to apply for jobs and then uses advanced technology to assess those candidates in very objective ways. So you're taking away some of the bias that human reviewers can sometimes bring to the process. So we're really thinking about it comprehensively. Yeah, Kara, you know, it's uh, very similar and aligned at TPG as well. So our DEI council, we recently revitalized it to make sure that it was partner led. And then we have three advisory groups underneath for some of our more junior employees who are active and passionate in the space to one, hold our partners accountable, but to make sure that it's not just seen as something top down, but really uh, stretching across our organization. And we have several key levers that I think uh, TPG has done a great job of, of maximizing. Our board diversity effort for women has been extremely successful. Um, and last December, actually, we announced that we were going to be progressing that initiative to make sure that we were being inclusive and thoughtful of ethnic minorities as well. And we will look to also collect sexual orientation as well as veteran status in years to come as well. So there's a lot of emphasis and momentum there. And we also do, similarly to you guys, Cara, use the board diversity data um, in terms of our performance performance reviews uh, today. And we will continue to do that practice because we think it's important to make sure that our people being held accountable. Over 50% of our last two incoming associate classes have either been women or those are from an ethnic minority group, which I think is a a trend that we hope to maintain and hopefully outdo and outperform in the years to come. Um, And then from the investment angle, the firm made a huge investment in Harlem Capital, I believe about a year and change ago. As the industry moves towards more diversity and inclusion, and creating truly representative leadership teams, deal teams, and operating teams, do Kara and Anna think their jobs could be obsolete in the medium to long term? First of all, I love this question, and it's a great one. You know, I have to say, I think especially given the way that my role is is shaped, because it involves all talent processes and all of our key human capital focus areas, I think it'll be less that it will be obsolete, um, because whenever you have human beings, you're going to need people to make sure that you're being thoughtful, mindful, and progressing with the times. I think it'll shift from being obsolete to perhaps changing in terms of the fabric of it and what we have to do. You know, as a firm, you know, especially in light of the, the recent events of racial injustice, for example, we created a, you know, an HR resource center site where we put, I mean, every podcast, book, movie, film, uh, everything that you can think of on a site to help kind of educate our people. So my hope is that, you know, if you look five years from now, yes, we'll have hit some of our stated metrics and goals, but some of that base education will already be taken care of um, and it'll be kind of about the sophistication by which we look at this space but I don't think anytime that you have human beings doing human work that you cannot have that that element at a firm but Cara I would love to to hear what you're thinking about that as well you know my dream is to work myself out of a job I agree with you. This is ongoing efforts. If I think about how increasingly global and interconnected our world is getting, we're having to become much more adept at managing across difference. This skill of inclusion, this skill of inclusion leadership, it's not only, it's about now, it's about leading our teams and our organizations now. It's even more so about future-proofing our organizations and recognizing that our exposure to different different cultures, different lifestyles, different everything is only going to continue to increase. So I do think that we're gonna continue to have to manage across dimensions of difference, 
But I do have optimism that we are growing as a society to appreciate the importance of skillfully leading and collaborating in that environment. While the dearth of women and minorities within the ranks of private equity firms may not be news to our listeners, a 2019 study by the Knight Foundation underscores how big an issue it remains in the asset class. According to its findings, women-owned PE firms accounted for 5.2% of the total private equity funds in existence, while minority-owned private equity funds comprise an additional 3.8%. LPs are stepping up the pressure too. 80% of respondents in PEI's soon-to-be-published LP Perspectives 2021 survey said that evidence of diversity and inclusion at the GP level forms part of their due diligence process. We asked Anna and Kara what the most challenging aspect of their job is and whether the COVID-19 pandemic has made it harder to reach their objectives. So I would say it's been a sprint since I joined. As I look at the last 18 months or so, it's a sprint to the end. I think the complexities of doing our work in a COVID environment have just added another layer that I've never I've never quite seen in, in my career. And so I think it, the job has become complex for a multitude of reasons. And then especially as a black woman in this space doing this work, there's been definitely an, another layer of complexity in terms of making sure that I, as an individual, am owning and taking the time and space, but I'm also able to help lead my organization at the same time. And so I'd say between a pandemic, locust, wildfires, <laughs> as, as well as, as racial injustice, and then you add in kind of your own personal elements, it's been a very intriguing year. I've been frustrated by kind of the macro context and then extremely satisfied and fulfilled by the way that I feel that TPG has risen and made it extremely straightforward and easy to dive in there with no hesitation. And I know not all folks in, in our roles at firms can say that um, in terms of making an uphill battle, but in particular, my CEOs have been fantastic, thoughtful, authentic. And that makes the work that we need to do so much easier for our firm. And so while it has been insanity, um, I've been grateful to be able to be at TPG right now in this moment, because there's no other firm that I, I would be able to, to do this work as swiftly with. I, I want to echo the point about leadership commitment and willingness to step up to this moment and beyond. When I joined Carlisle, one of the things that I sat down pretty early on in the recruitment process and met with our, at the time, our co-CEOs, because I wanted to make sure that I was going to have partnership from them because without that, this is a very, very steep uphill climb. And I have to say that I have not been disappointed. I can tell you that in the midst of everything that was happening this summer, our co-CEOs invited all of our employees globally to submit stories of their experiences of multicultural difference. Times when they felt included, times when they felt excluded, and times when their eyes were opened to something about multicultural difference that they hadn't understood before. And then those stories were read that we kept them anonymous to protect our employees, but, or their, their confidentiality, but we had other colleagues read them aloud over a podcast, and we had over 600 employees participate in those sessions. And so that's the kind of example of boldly and with some empathy and courage stepping into the moment so that people had a chance to grow and understand and really take some of the important steps to being an ally 
starting a little over a year ago, we created a program to help our people understand how they, in their day-to-day, could help mitigate unconscious bias. And so that is a session that before the pandemic transferred over to a Zoom version, thank goodness, but we've had leaders across the firm facilitating those sessions. But some of the tools and techniques that we, and approaches that we're helping people to adopt through that have been especially important during this time of not being together. You know, things like making sure that all voices are heard. One of the benefits of remote working is the increase in the number of touch points and reach. But how do Carlisle and TBG bridge the gap in terms of number of touch points to actual behavioral change? We've been reinforcing those learnings. We, you know, there's nudges that we send out to everyone in the firm so that they can be thinking about those things, even though we are virtual. The other piece around that is that every employee in the firm has created a personal action plan around that. And so many of them have modified those to take into account our virtual existence these days. There's opportunity in this moment as well. And one of the things that we've been really encouraging our folks is one, to connect more with one another. I mean, that sounds ironic, but it is easier. We are seeing connectivity across our firm globally enhanced because we're all getting more used to Zoom. We're all looking at this as an opportunity to connect more easily and to get to understand all of the nuances and challenges and opportunities across our global firm. I think the other piece is it's helping us to extend our reach externally as well, because again, people are relying now more on the Zoom format, the virtual forums, and that's allowing us to connect with more people that perhaps we may not have had the thought to connect with as, you know, when we thought we had to do it all in person. You know, this is, this is about behaviors. And so one of our mantras here is, there are things that we can all do in our day-to-day to make Carlisle a more diverse, equitable, and inclusive place. And so our mantra is, figure out what you're going to do practice it until it becomes a habit, and then identify the next step that you're gonna take. And for some people, that means how they manage their meetings. For some leaders, it means I'm not gonna be the first person to talk, so I make sure I hear the voices of everybody else in the room. That's just continued. And I think people, as I said before, are finding new ways to apply this in our new environment. I think the other thing that we're seeing is that The new environment also has expanded our ability to influence our portfolio companies. I'm spending a lot of time with the CEOs and management teams of portfolio companies because they are eager to understand what are the steps and how they can lead effectively on this. And again, whereas before it may have meant getting on a plane to go and meet with them, now I'm able to interact with them in a less resource time intensive way, but with significant impact. Do TPG and Carlisle's LPs hold them accountable to their diversity and inclusion goals? And how do the firms work alongside them in achieving those? 
I think for RLPs in particular, what has been interesting, and I would actually encourage them to do more of this, is to not just focus on the numerical analysis, but to really dig into what your organizations are doing from a policy and initiative standpoint. And so a lot of the LP questionnaires that are coming back are still really focused on the data and the metrics. They are hugely important. If you don't have initiatives behind those, the intention of asking those questions is to make sure that it's a diverse and equitable environment, but your impact is off because you're not actually asking that next layer of questions. So what I've been enjoying is actually getting on the phone with our LPs to say, you didn't ask about these 15 initiatives, but let me tell you about, you know, our associate mentoring program. Let me tell you about our talent review process and promotion cycle and how we think about kind of our next generation of talent um, so that you get the uh, substance behind just the numerical analysis. And so for any LPs listening, I hope that you continue to ask uh, the, the next layer question because it really holds us accountable to that. Our LPs definitely hold us accountable and it's something that we value because making sure that there is a clear understanding that this is important to successful investment returns is something that's front and center for us. In fact, one of the things that we did was we looked at the impact of board diversity on our portfolio companies. And what we found was over the past three years, the average earnings growth of Carlisle portfolio companies with two or more diverse board members has been nearly 12% per year greater than the average of companies without that diversity on their boards. And that's after controlling for industry fund, vintage years. Basically, the companies with diverse boards generate earnings growth that's five times faster on average. So you know, we welcome, in fact, I, I often meet with our LPs and say, continue to ask these questions. It is important, it's important for accountability but it's also important for the success of those investments. Finally, we asked Kara and Anna about the advice they would give to emerging managers who may be first-time funds looking to set up their own diversity and inclusion councils within their firms. I think one of the things that we see across organizations is the power of starting early. Don't think you're too small because trying to build it in afterwards is much harder. I think that it is about putting in place the behaviors, the practices, you know, this is creating the right kind of diverse and inclusive and equitable organization is about individual actions, but also creating the structures inside your organization that help to support and to guide towards those actions. And so thinking about, you know, simple things like, yes, insist on diverse interview slates, insist on certain cadence of career action discussions, things like that do make a big difference when they become embedded in how you operate and in your day to day. Yeah. And, you know, emerging managers have a unique opportunity from the start to make it a part of the fabric of your organization. And so if you make it a part of your foundation, it won't seem like this extra thing on the side that you then kind of do the final check on. To Kara's point, you'll weave it into all of your metrics. And so you'll be able to shift from thinking of like, we have to have a diverse slate to saying, this is just how we recruit. And when we recruit, we have diverse slates. And so if you make it the norm versus the exception, I think you'll have more of an opportunity to make sure that it's just part of the culture and fabric of the firm and how you do business. And so emerging managers should definitely capitalize on that, make sure that they're bringing expertise to the table and not kind of leaving this as the last thing that they're focusing on, but actually the foundation. Because if you just lay it in there to begin with, you won't have to make it an aside or an asterisk at at the end of the process. 
That again was Kara Heelander from Carlisle Group and Anna Edwin from TPG. If you want to hear more episodes of Spotlight, you can find us on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, Podbean, Stitcher, and across PEI Media's various titles online. With Private Equity International, I'm Carmela Mendoza. Thank you for listening.